So my wife did a pretty good job at giving like the intro to who I am. That, well, my wife is Paula. I'm Adam. We have two kids. I want you guys to be able to know who we are. Um, we have two kids, Kayla and Josiah. And to start today's message, I kind of want to share a little bit about my son, Josiah. He's three years old, and he is um, very mischievous. I don't know if you've ever had a three-year-old boy, but obedience is a very tough thing to teach them. If any of you guys are experts in this, please let me know after the service, because <laughs> um, I feel like, I feel like it's, it's a constant battle with this little guy. Um, Every morning, he wants to decide when he wakes up. Every night, he wants to decide when he goes to sleep. For every meal, he wants to decide what to eat and what not to eat. But you know, I kind of remember myself whenever I was young. I would take everything that I wanted to eat. I'd eat that fast, and everything that I didn't want to eat, I kind of just shoved it off to my sister's plate when she wasn't looking. And um, she's actually sitting over there, and I, I might have just spoiled that secret. Um, <laughs> But, um, yeah, children like to decide what they do, even if they're not ready to make their own decisions. And I think it's human nature to disobey, because we want to do what we feel is right, and we want to do whatever we feel is best for us. And when we're young, when we're three years old, we don't know what's best for us all the time. My son would not do well if he just stayed up all night watching Paw Patrol and then got up and ate, I don't know, syrup out of the bottle. It just would not work out for him. And unfortunately, that that's, carries on into adulthood sometimes with us. We, we not watching Paw Patrol or syrup, hopefully, but we like to make our own decisions and we like to, to concentrate, okay, what is best for me? I know what's best for me and we can get very stubborn and we can, we can disobey God's word a lot. You know, I, I hope that eventually as my son starts growing up and he starts to, to learn more of how much I love him, that he's going to start trusting me more to make the decisions for him, make certain big decisions for him. I, I hope that he sees that my decisions are based on, on the love that I have for him and my knowledge of life. You know, Whenever I, I view my life and I view what God has done for me, I very often find myself wanting things that aren't really good for me. And I, I disobey God's word because I feel like my vision is, is better sometimes. I think that we can all sort of attest to that. I don't think I'm the only one that struggles with obedience to God's word sometimes. But as James was saying, and as my wife also mentioned, there's something important about surrender. When we surrender our lives, we surrender this, this um, portion, or this, not even a portion, it's our entirety of God, you have control of my life. I might not understand exactly what you're saying. I'm not, I might not completely agree with everything that I have to do. But God, I'm going to trust you. Because I know that you're good. Because I know that you love me. You know, when we surrender our lives and when we put ourselves under God's authority, it not only protects us, it gives us a purpose. It's a purpose for life, and it's, it's much greater than just having a happy life. 
Whenever we live under God's authority, it is actually showing the world what the gospel is. Now, we've been going through Ephesians lately, and last week, if you were here, Pastor Ryan talked about marriage, and he talked specifically to the husbands, and how this vision of marriage is like a movie. It's the, movie, it's the gospel, but written out as a movie. <laughs> you know, he made this comparison of how the gospel is like a book, and, and our marriages that we have today are like the movie for the world to see. Now, unfortunately, the movie's never as good as the book, right? <laughs> I think we can all, every time we read the book first and then we see the movie, we're like, ah, oh, they left out this part. The book was so much better because it always works out better in our head. <laughs> but that, the, the reason why God gave marriage was so much greater than just to have a good life. <laughs> it's to show the world what they can have. It's to show, it's to be a model of what God is doing, what he has done for all of us, and what he's doing with his church. Jesus shows us what real leadership is and what real love is because he came to earth, he died, he sacrificed his life so he could lead us in love. Now, as we mentioned last week too, the church, in a sense, is the bride, and Jesus is the groom. Jesus is the one that came and he paid for us to be able to, to join him in this mission. He, he paid the price so that we could unite with him and that we can do incredible things through his power. This week, we want to spend some time to look especially at what Paul says for the wives. Now, um, Paul was speaking to a church in Ephesus at this time, and this still applies for wives today, and guys, don't check out on me, because it also applies to the church, and we are very much a part of the church. We are part of the body of Christ. And so let's read this passage, and um, let's dive into it. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Ephesians 5. We have some Bibles in these black pockets. Uh, I think we also have them at the end of the aisles. But I encourage you you want to, to open up to Ephesians 5, we should also have the scripture on the screen behind me. I'm going to read it through, and then we're going to dive into a few different parts and go from there. Ephesians 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also... Wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with a word, so that he might present the church himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband." 
Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is alive and breathing and it changes lives today. Lord, I pray that you would give me your words. I pray that you would open all of our eyes and that you would reveal and soften our hearts to any truth that you want to point out in our life today, God. I pray for every marriage in here. I pray for every single person in here that, that they would see how you work through marriage is something beautiful and that your word is, is beautiful and, and obedience to your word is what we need. In your name we pray, amen. Now, before we go on into explaining about this passage, I'd like to clarify just a couple things of what this passage is not. <laughs> now, we live in a day and age where some of these things might not be acceptable in mainstream media. To see words like submit and submit everything to their husbands, these could be very strong images because we usually have a a distorted view of these words. What it isn't is it is not demanding a wife to submit to an abusive relationship. That is never the case. God is not telling you to submit in an abusive relationship. And hearing submit and everything sounds kind of weird, but if we look at the image of Christ and what he did for the church, I think it becomes very clear what it's talking about. Let's, let's imagine that Christ is, is the groom and that the church is the bride. And, and what Christ is doing, he's, he's calling the church to follow him. It's, it's like, imagine a dance between two partners that really know how to dance. If I tried to dance, it'd be very embarrassing. I might have to get James up here to dance for me, but imagine the husband, the groom, leading the bride into a beautiful dance, calling her to leap to him and catching her to do something incredible, something that, they couldn't, that, that the bride could not do on her own. <laughs> And that the groom chooses to do with a bride. This love for the church is so beautiful because it was not a cheap love. It's not the kind of love that we see portrayed so many times in movies or on social media. It's it's very costly. And and I want to just read to you what it says in 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19. In 1 Peter 1... 18 through 19, it says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Just to know how much it cost for us to be redeemed, that, that shows me the amount of love that Jesus had for us. It makes me want to follow. It makes me want to do whatever Jesus says because I know how much he loves me. I'm confident in it. I don't ever have to doubt him. Husbands, if you recall, last week we talked about the husband's duty in a marriage. And basically we can summarize these into very two short points. A husband is required to lead well 
to lead his bride, to lead his family. And he's required to love well. Now, in leading well and loving well, those sound very simple. And honestly, we complicate things too much. (laughs) But imagine all the sorrow that could be prevented if a husband, before he acted on an action, would just step back and ask himself this simple question. What I'm about to do, does this lead my wife and family well? What I'm about to do, does this show my wife how much I love her? That immediately eliminates, I think, anything that could hurt the wife. Family leadership is a burden that a lot of men don't wish to carry. Some, some find it easier to shove off onto their wife. <laughs> and they might be excellent leaders in their businesses, in whatever job they have, in their circle of friends, but leading a family is really tough. Because this is the people that you spend all your time with. They know you in your best and they know you in your worst. They know you before you have coffee in the morning. They know all your failures. But obedience to the scriptures is so important. That's, that's why I want to encourage you men out here that are married, that that being this family leader is a blessing for your family because it's the way that God set up marriage. It's really beautiful. Ephesians 5 instructs wives and husbands to model this relationship. However, Paul isn't the only writer in the New Testament to talk to the husbands and to the wives, and I think that we can gain a better insight into how this relationship should play out by reading what Peter says in 1 Peter 3. I'm going to be reading from a version called the Amplified Translation, just because it expounds a little bit more into the meaning of each word, and I think it'll help us out. I have it up on the screen. If you want to follow along, you can look in the Bibles that we provided, but it's a different translation, but it's the same message. Chapter 3, verse 1. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, subordinate, not as inferior but out of respect for the responsibilities entrusted to husbands and their accountability to God. And so partnering with them so that even if some do not obey the word of God, they may be won over to Christ without discussion by the godly lives of their wives. When they see your modest and respectful behavior together with your devotion and appreciation, love your husband, encourage him, and enjoy him as a blessing from God. Your adornment must not be merely external with interweaving and elaborate knotting of the hair and wearing gold jewelry or being superficially preoccupied with dressing in expensive clothes, but let it be the inner beauty of the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality and unfading charm of a gentle and peaceful spirit, one that is calm and self-controlled, not overanxious, but serene and spiritually mature, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this way in former times, the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands and adapting themselves to them. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, following him and having regard for him as head of their house, calling him Lord. And you have become her daughters if you do what is right, without being frightened by any fear 
that is being respectful toward your husband, but not giving in to intimidation, nor allowing yourself to be led into sin, nor to be harmed. Now, in both passages, we see something that both writers are instructing, are instructing wives to do. If we were to summarize those, we could say, submit and respect. Now, when we're talking about submission, it's really it's saying, understand the way that God has set up the family. It's not saying that you are less than. It's not saying that you are inferior or that husbands have the right to step on you. That's never the case. What it's talking about is let yourself be led. You see, God has placed the husband over the family to to lead the family, to guide the family. And he's asking the wives to follow that leadership. You know, Paul uses a term that means arranged under. And it's, it's just like, you know, a military that works together well. <laughs> it's not that one soldier is less than the other. It's just that's the way that it's arranged so that they can accomplish something great. And what God has for each one of us is great. I love that in, in back in the Ephesians verse, in verse 31, it really states that there's, there's a mission behind marriage. And that this mission is that two shall become one. And if you can imagine what that means, it's, if it's two people, two people that, that have purpose, that have a calling from God, and he's arranging them into one being. That can be really hard. <laughs> and when you think about two people changing into one, I mean, you could think of a, if you have a two-headed person, then that's, that's not going to work out too well. <laughs> Any two-headed creature is, is not looked at very favorably. But the way that God organized it was that the husband would be the head and that he would lead them. Not that the wife is inferior, but that she would help him. God's design for order in marriage is to protect us, and it's to put our marriage under his authority. I can trust God's leadership. I can trust it because I know how good he is. I've seen him be so good to me in my life. I can read his word, and I know the thoughts that he has about me. It's easy for me to trust him. But... Unfortunately, there is a distrust in authority these days. You know, we've, we've, we've lived life enough to know that not all leaders are good leaders. We've lived life enough to know that not all bosses are good bosses and not all fathers are good fathers. It's sad what sin has done to that, that idea of authority and leadership in our life because Authority, being under somebody's authority, should empower us. It should give us strength to know that I have somebody over me, looking out for me, taking care of me, guiding me, not going to let me go where I don't need to go. But unfortunately, that is something that is very scarce in the world today. 
Peter and Paul also encourage wives to respect their husbands, to value the position that God has entrusted to them. God placed them in that marriage, and, and it's a big task. Like I mentioned, there's, there are days where I don't feel like being the leader of my family. <laughs> I'm tired. I just want to sleep or watch something on TV, and I don't, I don't feel like leading my, my wife or my children, and, and it's, it's a tough task to do. And wives, you can, you can do it really just by showing us value can really encourage a guy to get back on track. There's a secular study that, that I found. They surveyed 400 men. 74% of the men said that if they were forced to choose, they would prefer feeling alone and unloved rather than feeling disrespected and inadequate. Think about that. <laughs> Three-quarters of men say that they would rather be alone than feel disrespected. It's very similar, actually, for, for women, and that they would rather feel loved than disrespected. It's, it's something that, that God has, has made us a certain way. I think it's obvious that, that the reason why there's so much frustration in that, the reason why we need it is because God designed us that way. He designed us to work together. He designed us to be two formed into one. And God's instructions are meant for a greater purpose than just having a happy marriage. <laughs> Yes, that is a byproduct, I think, of following God wholeheartedly. But it goes so much greater than just having a happy marriage. Now, before I continue, I also I understand that your situation may not be as, as easy as I've mentioned. And I don't want to take that lightly. You know, we all have certain experiences and pasts and, and struggles, especially when it comes with with marriage, you know? What, what do you do when your husband isn't interested in leading? What do you do when they're not leading in the right direction? Or what if your husband constantly does disrespectful things? It's very difficult. But that's what I love about Peter's letter. And that's why I wanted to share that with you guys because he addresses that ungodly men can be won over just by a faithful wife. That by a wife being submissive and to God and obedient to God's word, that the wayward husband would see that, that it would spark a change in his life. Our obedience to God's word is, is never horizontally dependent, meaning I'm only going to obey God's word if everything is right around me. Or only if the person who I call my husband <laughs> treats me the way I should or leads my family the way it should. Our obedience to God is, is between you and God. An example that comes to mind is uh, from the book of Daniel. If you're familiar with Daniel... He was a man that loved God. He always had a habit of praying to God every day. And he lived in a, in a world where that was not acceptable. 
And so they actually made a law to where you cannot pray to any god. And he, he heard that, he understood the law, yet he still prayed to God because he was obedient to God, even though he did it respectfully. God protected Daniel when the king sentenced Daniel to death by a hungry group of lions. And God protected Daniel through that. And whenever, God, whenever they brought him out of that lion's den, then the king was able to say, you must serve a real God because only he could have protected you like that. I don't want to make the situation light, but I, I see that for a lot of women. I see that for a lot of wives that might be in a situation where they feel like they're not able to, to speak like God would want them to. But through just a humble obedience to God's word and constant obedience to the way that he says to, to love your husband that doesn't love you. <laughs> I think that we can do incredible things to the heart of that man. And finally, let us consider what we're actually trying to accomplish. I mean, think about it for just a second. What is your greatest goal in marriage? What do you want most through your marriage? A lot of things come to mind. You might want financial peace. <laughs> you might want to raise good, successful children. You might want to travel the world. You know, all these things aren't bad at all. They're, they're great things. But I ask you, what is God's ultimate goal for your marriage? Do they line up? <laughs> you know, God... God does amazing things with lives. He doesn't just, he didn't just come and die on a cross so that we would be saved and go to heaven. He's, he's given us a purpose and he's, he's made us a part of his plan to do incredible things. And a part of that is even through marriage. You know, those that, that are married, God can do incredible things when two are made into one. It's a beautiful gift that, unfortunately, has been distorted in the past, and that's why we see so many failed marriages and, and people that are unhappy. But I, I ask you, what is, what is your goal for your life? Is it to see more people come to Christ? Is it to actually make an eternal impact for God's kingdom? I think that every aspect of our life should be pointed towards that. Remembering that this is not all there is. It's not just we live, we die, and that's it. There's, there's an eternity. And we have a very short time to make an influence for that. And God wants to use us. He wants to use us alone. He wants to use us as, as a marriage. He wants to use us as a church. I think that all of our decisions that we make should ask God, how am I really making a difference? And finally, just to remind you guys what marriage is. It's, 
Imagine how Jesus treated his church, his bride, his people. Could you see Jesus doing something that would compromise his spotless bride that he gave his life to cleanse? And could you picture the church removing Jesus as their leader and not honoring his word? It's a sad thought. But church, we are called to do just that. We are called to follow after Jesus, to put him as our leader, to put his word above our own convictions, to make his word our convictions. We are called to follow him wherever that leads us. And church, sometimes it's going to lead us to a place where we're, we're stuck between obeying God's word and having a consequence with it. <laughs> you know, I want to switch gears just a little bit. And I'm going to invite my wife to come up here in just a minute because I want her to share just a little bit about what that meant. What does it mean to be a wife? What does it mean to be submissive to God's word? So I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite my wife to come up. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that, that your word would speak to each, each member's life. God, your word is the, the only eternal thing here, God. We, we need it to, to come into our lives. Lord, I pray that we would be submissive to you, that we would be obedient to your word, and that you would show us any faults that we have. I pray that your, your spirit would, would guide us, that you would protect us with your authority, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done and for this word. In your name we pray. Amen. And ask my wife to come up. You know Paula, right? Don't feel like I need to introduce her too much. But so we're going to kind of do, um, I guess, Q&A, but I'm going to be the cure and you're going to be the air. Um, so, <laughs> sorry, that's lame. Um, <laughs> Is there any way that you've seen this actually live out in your life? Um, when, okay. <laughs> when Ryan asked, asked us to do this and he told me about this, at first I was like, eh, okay. <laughs> but the, to, to be honest, I don't feel like I'm like this super knowledgeable wife. I, I've only been married for eight years. My gosh, I'm getting old. Eight years, okay? <laughs> but it's not a whole lot. But I, I do think that God has been super merciful to us in the sense that we've lived through a lot of different circumstances. And I'm glad to have seen God lead us through my husband. Um, you hear me every Sunday. And I, if you know me, you know I'm not, like, super quiet and easy to lead. I'm not, okay? He is... This is a strong man right here, okay? Because I want my way all the time. I, I'm a strong, independent woman. If I weren't a Christian, I have no idea where I would be, okay? And I'm really happy that God has allowed me to learn this because, how do I say this? Um, I think the clearest or the best example that I could give you is um, about a year and a half ago, 
Um, to be honest, marriage for us has never been that hard. Like, we agree on most things. We had the same mission. We had the same passion. We wanted to do the same things. So it was pretty chill. You know, like, we've had fights and stuff, obviously, but it was never anything that I had to be like, oh, I won my way, but he's not letting me. It wasn't. It was, we, we talked it out, and we would agree in the end. But a really <laughs> big life-changing decision came to us about a year and a half ago, and I wasn't having it, to be honest with you. Um, it wasn't what I wanted, and it, it brought us to a place where we were both praying and seeking counsel and seeking God, and at the end of the day, you know, I, I almost, like, challenged God. <laughs> I, was, I was like, God, I really need you to show us the way, and I need you to open up this, a door, just whatever door. I don't even care. Just a door for us to know what the next step is because we had agreed, we prayed, and we agreed that the season of our lives was coming to an end, and we were leaving the place that we were, but we weren't, there was nothing in front of us. We had no idea what the next step would be, and so in praying for the next step, I saw a totally different picture. Like, I wanted us to do something different. I wanted us to stay in Peru, and I wanted us to do something else. And we prayed together for, what, like, four or five days. We actually, like, went alone to, like, a mountain in Peru, and we prayed, and we, you know, sought God. And, and my prayer was, okay, God, show me what you want. And we came home. Two days later, there's a phone call, there's an opportunity, and I'm like, no, we're not doing this. This is nuts. And I look at him, and his face is like, yeah. I'm like, crap. <laughs> like, this what? No, God, this isn't the right one. I'm sure this isn't what you want. And it took me a long time to come to terms with this. And I fought back. Like, I'm not going to say, like, oh, I was really spiritual, and he said yes, and I said, yes, sir. I didn't. I was like, are you, what are you saying? How do you see this? Like, we, I questioned over and over, and I prayed over and over, and they came a point where I just had to trust God even above my husband. Does that make sense? Because I see it. You know, I see that in the verse even that he was talking about in Ephesians. Like, as unto the Lord. I Like, as much as we submit to the men you know, not all the men, but like the men in your life, the man in your life, your husband, as much as I submit to him and I want to follow his lead, I want to follow God's lead. And if at this point following God's lead meant my yielding to him and what he saw that was fit for a family, then that's what I wanted to do, even though I wasn't happy. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie to you people. I wasn't happy. I was not happy at all <laughs> for six months even being here already like it was really hard and at the first few months I would even say things to him like you brought me to this island and I don't want to be here <laughs> but it took a lot of humility and, and a lot of prayer and a lot of my saying to God I want to do your will I want to do your will. I want to be in your will. I want to do whatever you want me to do. I don't like what you're doing, but I want to do your will. And like what he said, you know, it's not always going to be pretty, and it's not always going to be what you like. Obedience isn't always going to make things easier for you. There's going to be times where obedience is going to make them harder <laughs> for a moment. But if, you know, if you keep doing what's right, and if you keep doing what's good, and if you keep following God, 
it gets better. Eventually, you will see fruit. You will. Eventually, you will see that God is, he knew what he was doing, right? He knew what he was doing, and he, he didn't forget, or he didn't, you know, whatever. It wasn't, it wasn't just his decision. It was that I trusted, or I trust, I continue to trust the fact that I know that he submitted to God. And that's why we're here, you know? So what would you say then to the wives that are not in a relationship that, where the husband submits to God? Is there any encouragement, wisdom that you could? Because I know that sometimes I, I have made foolish decisions. Uh, I, I know that's true. Um, not all the time, but sometimes. Um, what, would you, what would you say to them to encourage them? You know, he already said this, and I, I do want to say it again. You're, you're never meant to be in a relationship that's harmful to you. I mean, I know that the church, not this church, but the church as a whole, we don't talk about that a whole lot. But if somebody is harming you, you're not meant to be in that relationship, physically, whatever. But if you are in a marriage that the husband is not a Christian, which I know that it might be the situation here for many women. You, you may be married to a man who does not believe in God or who, who thinks that you're coming to church is crazy or who doesn't want you to bring your children to church. Or, you know, like, and I, I've seen this a lot because crazy enough, it's, it's women who come to church a lot more than men. <laughs> or it's the wife that sometimes comes to church. And as First Peter says, Later, much later, the husband comes. You know, that was the experience with my parents. My mom came to church years before my dad. And my dad was not, before Christ, a godly, you know, easy man. He was very tough and macho, Hispanic man. You know, like, I'm the king of the house kind of a guy. And it was hard. But her prayerfulness and her obedience to God and her even instructing her children in the way of the Lord before my dad had anything to do with it, I think was the thing that brought him along. I really do. I believe it with all my heart. She would pray constantly for him. If you find yourself in a situation in a marriage where he's not a good leader or he's just not following Christ at the moment, don't give up. Don't give up hope. Bend your knees. Pray for that man. And I think that is counsel for all of us. Mm-hmm. I, pff, that's not just for them. That's for me. I, my best service to my husband, if I could say something, is prayer for him. Prayer that God leads him into good decisions. Prayer that God sustains him. Prayer that God directs his step because he's leading my home. <laughs> Where he goes, I have to go. And I want God to direct his steps. I want God to take him wherever we're meant to go and to lead him and protect him and be his head. You know what I mean? And so if I can say anything to you is unless you're in harm's way and unless this is damaging to you, do not give up. Pray for him. Bless him. Bless him with your attitude. You know, submission is an attitude of the heart. It, it doesn't, you know, like I can do a lot of things for my family and I can have a horrible attitude and that's not very submissive. 
It's not. It's not the point of what you're doing. It's what's happening in here. And I love the way First Peter puts it because that's what it says. You know, it's the inward thing. What's happening on the inside? Are you being kind? Are you being loving? Are you praying for your man? Or what are you doing? And so I think, that's, I think that would be it for me. Don't stop praying for your husband. Don't stop believing that God can do something. Pray that God would direct his steps, even if he allows, you know, if he wants to hear counsel, counsel him with the word of God. Fill yourself up with the word of God so that you can be a voice of truth in his life. You know, I, to be honest, I think for me, for me personally, if I, we did not have God in our marriage and in our lives, I don't, <laughs> we wouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Like, there's no way. <laughs> I don't know how people do it outside. I really, truly don't. Because I think that God is the glue that holds us together. I think yeah. that he is, he is the source of our strength. He is the source of our submission, the source of our love. If he's not in there, then I don't even see a purpose to it, you know? Thanks. All right. Well, church, this concludes our time in that. <laughs> I hope that this has been helpful to you, helpful for the husbands, for the wives, for those that aren't married. I really do hope that you see the importance that God places on family because it does. It, it, it molds each human. Every person is influenced. 